All right, let's go. Hour number three on a Tuesday. It is Super Bowl week. A lot to talk about as we lead in to the game. And the Horns Big Game coverage is brought to you by Texas Truck and Trailer. 512-528-6038. And they're definitely rooting for the Chiefs. And we may find out exactly why before the week is done. Chad Hastings, Isaiah Collier with you. Our man Super Bowl Stu is on Radio Row, and he has grabbed us a guest that's been nice enough to join us. Let's go to the Vaqueros Cafe and Cantina Hotline, live from Arizona. It is Sam Monson of Pro Football Focus at PFF underscore Sam, if you want to give him a follow on Twitter for some great football content. Sam, how are you, man? I'm doing well. How about you? Man, I'm doing good. Thank you so much for the time. Uh, I was excited when I found out we were going to talk to you because uh, I love a good football breakdown, and you guys do it uh, better than anybody. Let's go ahead and start where others might finish. Can you give us your pick for the game, and then tell me, is it based on some number crunching? Is it based on your gut, or is it based on both? Yeah, I like the uh, the Chiefs in this one. I, I think they should be favored. Um, I think we're... We're focusing on Patrick Mahomes and the injury and the fact that the Eagles have been on this incredible run and how good they are. But I think anytime you're starting from the point of Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Andy Reid, they should be the favorite in pretty much every game. And all the things that we like about this Philadelphia team, they're legit. They've, they've done an incredible job this season. They've won the games they're supposed to win. They've won them pretty much how they're supposed to win them. But they really haven't been that battle tested they haven't run up against teams like the chiefs they've been front runners the whole season and we know what happens if the eagles go up 10 points we know what happens if they have a double digit lead mahomes doesn't care they can get that back in an instant i don't think we know what happens if the reverse is true if patrick mahomes and the chiefs put a couple of drives together put the eagles in a hole early and all of a sudden that offense has to try and come from behind and Jalen Hurts has to try and play the way we know Patrick Mahomes can play. Hmm. Sam, let me ask you this. We all know the headliners. You said Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes, and on the other side, you know, A.J. Brown, a huge addition uh, with that trade from Tennessee, and then Jalen Hurts, the year he's having. Miles Sanders, also a pro bowler. Anybody that you're looking at in this game that's not one of those household name guys but that you think can make a huge impact on the outcome? I mean, I think the entire Chiefs secondary, those guys have played extremely well this season. They're not big household names, but they've been making plays. The, the Chiefs rookie class this year has been pretty incredible in terms of the production, the contribution that they've been making. Um, but then they're kind of household names, but I think those two edge rushers for Philadelphia have the potential to be really big impact players. I think both of them are matchup problems for the two Chiefs tackles, Orlando Brown and, and Andrew Wiley on the other side, I think those guys are potentially overmatched when they're dealing with those sort of smaller, quicker, explosive edge rushers like Brandon Graham and Hassan Reddick. I think those guys could both have big days, and presumably Patrick Mahomes still won't be 100%. Talking with Sam Monson of Pro Football Focus. Sam, that's exactly where I was going. I think the people that picked the Eagles in this game, they're thinking the rush is going to get there. They're thinking the pressure is going to get to Mahomes. Maybe the injury factors in as well. So for you, leaning towards Kansas City, do you trust that Kansas City front to protect him? Do you think Patrick is maybe dealing with a little less of the injury? Or maybe it's both. 
Yeah, I think he'll be under pressure. I think he's going to have a game where he has to deal with it some way or other. Um, I don't think it will be as bad as it was the last, you know, the Super Bowl against Tampa Bay. I don't think he's going to get overwhelmed. I don't think this offensive line will get overwhelmed. But I think definitely Brandon Graham, Hassan Reddick on the edge, they're going to have some wins, and they're going to put Mahomes under pressure. I think you're right. Number one, he will be a little bit more healthy than we saw. He's had a couple of weeks. Um, the other thing is, like, Mahomes is freaky good in the pocket. We all think of all the plays he makes outside of the pocket and on the move and the crazy ad-lib throws that he makes and all that kind of stuff. But Mahomes has 30-plus touchdowns inside the pocket this year. If you succeed in keeping him where he's supposed to be and bottle him up, he's still capable of carving a defense up and being as good as any quarterback in the NFL. That's why I think you have to start with the assumption that he's going to be legit and have real success in the game. Yeah, he was amazing on one foot against Cincinnati in that <laughs> AFC right. championship. You can only imagine how he's going to be with two weeks of rest. But, you know, Sam, let me ask you about this. Even though we're the horn, we put the Dallas Cowboys games on our station, and we have a huge Cowboys following being here in Austin. Brian Schottenheimer, the new offensive coordinator there, doesn't mean too much because big Mike McCarthy is going to be calling the plays. How do you think that's going to work in the 2023 season with lead leading interception holder Dak Prescott yeah it's tough to kind of look at this Kellen Moore to Mike McCarthy and Schottenheimer dynamic and think it's an upgrade for Dallas like I get that Kellen Moore's offense didn't necessarily kick on from earlier in his tenure and maybe it, it stressed Dak Prescott a little bit in terms of what it was asking him to do and maybe created some of the turnovers and some of the errors that we've seen from Prescott But overall, when you look at the numbers and when you look at the play calling, that was a good offense under Kellen Moore. It it had a lot of success. It was really productive. It's been doing a good job. It's tough to kind of conclude that that was a problem area that needed to be addressed. Um, And I think a lot of the things that Dak was struggling with are going to be the same thing with this Mike McCarthy offense. When you go back to where it was when he had Aaron Rodgers and was taking a lot of criticism, The criticism was sort of centered around it's not scheming up free yardage, right? It's asking players to win on the outside on a couple of different concepts. And if they're not winning one-on-one, there's not really anywhere to go with the ball. It's not kind of taking the cheap, low-hanging fruit that a lot of offenses do in the NFL with RPOs and with um, play designs that actually create space without receivers having to do too much. So I think it's going to be – not a tough year, but I don't know that this necessarily helped Dak Prescott. And I think if they're going to expect him to be better next year, there needs to be some personnel changes as well. Yeah, and because it's not just you know it's not just the OC. There's still a what a quarterbacks coach, an offensive line coach, and a running backs coach uh, to hire for the Cowboys. Uh, talk about that running back room, Sam. How do you see the Cowboys from this year? Would you make any changes? What do they need to do in the draft in terms of that uh, that perspective and or, you know, or would you go back in, if they could figure it out, trusting those two running backs again? I mean, I think if they can get away from the Zeke Elliott contract, it's one that they should get away from. Tony Pollard, I think, has been fantastic. I, I would love to see Tony Pollard get a big free agent payday, you know, whoever that, that comes from, because I think he's earned it. I mean, he has been one of the most productive running backs in the entire NFL on a per-carry basis in his entire NFL career. I mean, you you sort of look at the numbers, whether it's yards after contact on average, whether it's broken tackles, um, just the sort of yardage that he's generated individually. 
it's up there with guys like Derrick Henry and Nick Chubb over the last few years. He's earned that starting role. He's earned that feature role. And then obviously gets that injury late in the season to potentially throw all that into jeopardy. If they can bring him back, I think Pollard has been fantastic in this offense and should be going forward. I'm fine with, you know, adding a complimentary piece and a, a kind of sledgehammer to, to let Pollard be um, not a situational guy, but to take some of the workload off his shoulders. But that, I think, is where they need to go. But they're going to be in this fascinating spot in the draft where, you know, those connections of Dallas and Bijan Robinson are not going to go away. I mean, that's, that's one of mm. those spots that everybody mm. is going to be making the connection <laughs> between now and the draft. Yep. Let me ask you this, Sam. How high would you take Bijan Robinson? I know our Horn fans down here would like to know from somebody your expertise. Right. And, you know, PFF, as part of PFF, I'm like contractually obliged to say you can't take a running back in the first round. <laughs> Never do it. Don't do it. Um, I don't hate that as much as other people. I, I'm not saying I would, but I think it's a much uh, less bad mistake or a much more explainable thing than giving them the sort of giant second contract. Even if you take a running back in the first, even if he doesn't pan out, the money you have to, uh, attached to that guy is not that bad, right? He's not on this giant sum of money that's causing problems everywhere else throughout the roster. And Bijan Robinson does look like, you know, a, a generational talent. Like, we use that term all the time, but he's up there with the Adrian Petersons of the world, like one of the best running back prospects to come into the league in years so if he is that good, if that's how you grade him out as an NFL team, if you can get him in the middle of the first round, I don't think that's a bad pick. Talking with Sam Monson, Pro Football Focus, again, at PFF underscore Sam. Nice enough to give us a little time from Radio Row in Arizona. Sam, uh, I'm not sure how long you've been there already, but uh, in terms of your sense for where the league is going into Super Bowl 57, uh, what sort of themes are you hearing? What, what are people talking about in Arizona? Is it this quarterback matchup and the history there with two black starting quarterbacks? Is that the first thing, or, or is there something else? Yeah, we've been here about 24 hours. I think people are excited for it. I mean, I think the overwhelming feeling from everybody is this is maybe the best matchup we could have gotten this season. Um, obviously, the 49ers would have been a good team to be there if they had healthy quarterbacks. Buffalo, Cincinnati both gave it a really good shot. But I think when all said and done, Kansas City against Philadelphia is probably the two best teams in the NFL this year. And it's not every year that that's the Super Bowl, that you do get the best team from each conference squaring off. Like, that's what it was supposed to be when they set this whole thing up. And I think everyone's just kind of pumped to see what this actually ends up looking like. Sam, Sean Payton is going to the Denver Broncos. We saw how bad Denver was this last season. It seemed like Nathaniel Hackett kind of had an Urban Meyer-type season the way Urban Meyer was last year uh, in Jacksonville. But Russell Wilson, he was awful, and we know that contract is very hefty. So is Sean Payton's. Do you see this working out? Yeah, I think it's a really tough thing for Sean Payton because you've got to come in now and you've got to fix the guy that was so bad last year um, and didn't show any signs of really getting it back on track throughout the entire season. And I think there's a real question mark about whether there's anything to be fixed. I mean, obviously we know Russell Wilson has been a very good quarterback in the past, but the game has evolved and Russell Wilson has evolved and not necessarily in a favorable way. I mean, he's reached that age where I don't think he has the dynamic physical ability that he had earlier in his career. He doesn't have the kind of escapability 
and the ability to run around the backfield all play and find a deep shot, that's not necessarily on the table anymore. So Peyton has to come in and say, what can I build around this guy that gets him back anywhere near where he used to be because that contract is so huge? And I think that's a real challenge. If, if anybody can do it, Sean Payton, I think, is a really good guy to do that. You look at his record. Obviously, it's great with Drew Brees, but it's great outside of Drew Brees. Like, his record as an offensive coordinator was fantastic. His record with non-Drew Brees quarterbacks is fantastic. So, you know, I'm not saying Sean Payton has no shot, but I'm saying that's a really difficult task for him. Yeah, first, got to get that quarterback coach out of there, that extra quarterback coach out of the facility, apparently. <laughs> apparently, that's a, that's a big deal for them. Uh, got to take the office away from Russ as well. I can't have that. Yeah. No that, private <laughs> office anymore. What is going on there? Uh, talking with Sam Monson, Pro Football Focus. Another big quarterback everybody's wondering about, Sam, of course, is Aaron Rodgers now. It was Tom Brady, assuming his retirement sticks. What do you think happens with Rodgers? What's, uh, what ideas make sense to you? I mean, I love the fit for um, – Rodgers going to the Jets. I thought that was a great fit for Tom Brady as well. I think the Jets are the team this offseason that kind of have the best situation for a quarterback to step into. Yes, they're in a tough division, and that's their biggest obstacle, but they've got an amazing defense. They've got receivers to work with. They've got uh, an offensive line that should be a lot better than it was last season because it was so banged up. Um, and they're in a good position in terms of what they have to work with to, to add players to that. So I think this Jets team is headed in the right direction. They should have been a playoff team this year, even with their quarterback problems. And I think it's made for a guy like Rodgers or whoever that veteran is to step in there and immediately make this team a contender. What about Lamar Jackson, Sam? Kind of in the same situation, but he's his own agent. You heard Hardball, you know, a couple of weeks ago talk about how much they'd love to have him and they'll revolve the offense around him, but they just don't get the weapons there that might help his skill set. What do you think Lamar Jackson's going to do? Yeah, I don't think they're going to let him go. I don't see any way that Lamar Jackson is not playing for Baltimore um, next season. I think the only question really is, like, under what kind of contract, right? Are they going to franchise tag him? Are they going to finally get this long-term deal done? But I think ultimately Lamar Jackson is the Baltimore Ravens offense, and there's no way they're going to let that walk out the door over contract negotiations. That is Sam Monson, pro football focus, at PFF underscore Sam. He says he's leaning towards the Chiefs. you got a score, Sam? What kind of game do you think we're going to see? Um, I think it might be a kind of low-ish score, sort of some, both teams scoring in the mid-20s, something like that. Okay, kind of a mid twenties. All right. Hey, if the Chief, as a Cowboys fan, if the Chiefs can win, that's all I care about. They can win two to nothing. That's all. <laughs> whatever. Five to five to four. Whatever we need. Uh, Sam, appreciate the time, man. Enjoy Arizona, and hopefully we'll get that matchup you're talking about. Thanks, guys. Take it easy. Thank Thanks, you, Sam. Man. Sam Monson, live from Radio Row. Thanks to our man Super Bowl Stu for getting it all set up for us. And again, thanks to the good folks at Texas Truck and Trailer. Our big game coverage this week brought to you by Texas Truck and Trailer. All right, uh, lots of uh, lots of good thoughts there on the game. He's leaning Chiefs. I hope he's right uh, about that. And uh, if that plays itself out. Zay, that's going to mean Mahomes is able to deal with that pressure and then that offensive line is able to you know, kind of keep him clean. And I think it'll also mean that the Chiefs are able to move the sticks. I'm, I'm wondering in this game how important the old time of possession will be because the Eagles just want to choke you out that way, get an early lead, keep the ball away from you. 
I wonder if the Chiefs can play like a gritty, nuts-and-bolts version of football in this game and take what they are given instead of trying to go for flash because this can be such a flashy team. Yeah, and I think that's what you saw this 2022 season with Patrick Mahomes, with Tyreek Hill moving on to Miami. A big part of that offense and a big part of that deep threat, Patrick Mahomes, he's – I wouldn't say settled, but he's become a smarter player throughout the years on not going for the flashy play all the time, not throwing it into double coverage just because it's a 40-yard big-time play, and that's what he's been used to throughout his very young career. But this year, with guys like Hardman, Hardman, who won't be playing, and Juju Smith-Schuster, Tony, you know, we know what Travis Kelsey could do. At times, they've been able to dink and dunk their way up the field and have those long 10-play drives where you go 90-something yards and take about six minutes, seven minutes off the clock. They're good with doing that. And, you know, that allows that defense on the other side, which – can be vulnerable at times. We just heard Sam talk about how, you know, their secondary is underrated, but that's their weak part. You know, if Chris Jones isn't getting pressure on the quarterback, then that defense, they could get ate up. So the fact that they were able to get pressure on Joe Burrow and knock him down and just have that in his mind, like Joe Burrow didn't play a good fourth quarter. No. Because he was worried about getting hit and just not having the time that he was so used to having this season. So if they if they could do that, then the Chiefs, they, they're in good shape. But those three running backs for the Eagles, Scott, Kenneth Gainwell, Miles Sanders, and you throw Jalen Hurts in there, if he's going to be that Jalen Hurts that we saw majority of the season, lower in his head, not giving a damn, fighting for extra yardage, it could be tough for the Chiefs. But if they could keep him off the field, then, yeah, I – I can see the Chiefs winning it also. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that all plays out. Let us know what you think. Specs text line 337-3776 as the uh, Chiefs and Eagles get ready for Super Bowl 57. We've also talked basketball today, of course. Kansas beating Texas last night. Our man Zay has a high school game he's dealing with tonight. You might be interested. Westlake hosting Buda Johnson, a big one at the top of that district, uh, battling for a playoff, for playoff positioning. So Zay and Roger Wallace have that one for you at 7 on KBVO. 7.30, 7.30. 7.30, my 7:30. bad. My bad, 7.30 on that chip time. Okay. Uh, and then uh, a little later on, once that game is done, you can tune on over to TNT because LeBron is within reasonable shouting distance now of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. It's Oklahoma City at the Lakers, 9 o'clock TNT. He needs 35 to tie 36 to pass this year he's averaging just under 30 a game i think right yeah i think around 28 something like that so if he hits the average he'll be close if he has a little you know a little better game he may get there so uh i do know who is rooting for him not to get the record tonight and that is espn because they host milwaukee on thursday also tnt and then they go to golden state on saturday and abc's got it so I don't know if he can get through two games, though, without getting 36 points. I think ESPN and ABC are going to be let down. I think the TNT group is going to get to see the history. Maybe it's tonight. If not, it's against the Freak hosting them on Thursday night. So either way, I think it's going to be Kenny, Charles, and that crew that get to talk about it. It's going to be tough tonight because the matchup most likely will be Lou Dort. 
I know the Thunder, they don't get on TV often. They're playing well, though. They are playing well. Yeah. They are. Shea Gildress Alexander, all-star first year, uh, being an all-star, averaging 30 a game. They got Australian uh, Josh Giddy, who's about a 6'8 point guard. Uh, if you haven't seen Josh Giddy, just picture a 6'8 version of Ricky Rubio. He's really good, and he's only in the second year. He's only going to get better, but Lou Dort – he might be one of the best defenders in the league that nobody knows of because nobody sees the Oklahoma City Thunder. He makes it hard for everybody. Luka's been on record saying Lou Dort is his toughest guard. Like when they play against the Thunder, Lou Dort being 6'5", looking like a linebacker, might be like 240. He's just physical, and he won't allow you to do anything that you're – normal or you know anything that you're used to doing like Mm -hmm. if you try to work in the post you're not going to move Lou Dort very often he's good at moving his feet he's quicker than you think so if LeBron does it tonight against him that's going to be even more impressive yeah that will be uh that will be big and I said they were playing well they're 25 and 28 25 and 29 are the Lakers so they're right down there at the same spot uh, that the Lakers are both teams five and five in their last ten, so two very similar teams facing each other tonight. But history on the line. If uh, if LeBron gets thirty six, he would become the all time leading scorer in the NBA. Crazy stuff. So somebody threw this out there, which I, I get it. They're like, yo, for, remember Zay Kareem didn't use a three point line. Well, remember, guys, Kareem was seven foot, still playing in the coal mining era. Yeah. Oh, here we go back let's, to the coal let's mines. Let's remember that. Let's remember that. Look, in 1975, I'm in the league giving you 12 a game. I'm sorry. I'm in the league giving you 12 a game, posting up little Gail Goodrich. Like, come here, Gail. You can't guard me. Sorry, Jerry West. I love you. Don't throw a temper tantrum because we know you got a temper. Mm-hmm. Winning time, you can't guard me either. Elgin, Cam- Elgin Baylor, those guys, maybe. They're like 6'8". That might be a tough guard. But still, I would, Walt Clyde Frazier might be my toughest matchup. But let, let's keep it real. The era that Kareem played in, the, the 80s. I love the 80s. Respect it. The talent, it's not what it is now. I know it's an easier game. Trent Dilfer, I know it's an easier <laughs> game now. I get it. Now we're crossing Trent Dilfer <laughs> into the NBA. I know. I no. know. You can't touch nobody, hand check. I get it. But Kareem was seven foot playing in the coal mine in there. Just keep that in mind. Wow. Okay. All right. All right. There you go. Let's say what. Uh, let Zay know what you think of that. Uh, that is the uh, spec sex line three three seven three seven seven six. Somebody here texted in. I like him getting it in Milwaukee. Both of Kareem's teams, Lakers, Bucks. That would be an interesting balance. That's probably that'd be the if deserves matters. That's how it would happen. It would happen in Milwaukee. Sorry, in it's in LA. They're hosting Milwaukee though on Thursday. So we'll see what happens tonight. In case you're looking at uh, maybe peeking in on that. Up next, we'll get you why today matters. February the seventh. We got a big anniversary around here. We need to mention plus the birthday that was half of the slap heard around the world. We will get into that too. Uh, plus a big big dog in music has a birthday today. We'll hit it all next on The Horn. Greetings, girl, and welcome to my world of phrasing right up to back. It's the daisy age, and you're about to walk top stage, so wipe your lottoes on the mat. Hip-hop love, this is, and don't mind when I quiz your evolvements before the sun. But clear your court, because this a one-man sport, and who's 
better for this than Plugged One. Plugged don't one. have to worry about me squashing other deals, cause they've already been squished. Freeze a frame of our moves the same, wish we can continue right behind the bush. You'll stay with me, I know this, but not because of all my earthly treasures, or regardless to the fact that I'm passing the noose, but because... I wanna love you better! <laughs> That's good stuff. You can hear that sample too. It's very good. Um, golly. They performed at the Grammys during the hip hop. Did they? Presentation. May I cut this The only thing that popped into my head was the uh, the group that did like Mr. Wendell back in the day, but I can't think of what the name of the group was. Who was Mr. that group? Wendell. Mr. Wendell and, uh, and Tennessee. Who is that group? That's kind of what the guy sounds like. I don't know, though. Who is it? De La Soul. De La Soul. Okay. De La Soul was there? Yeah. Why did I miss De La Soul? Okay. Mr. Wendell. Arrested Development? Arrested Development. That's who it was. Kind of had a little bit of that sound to him. Clearly, I was way off there. De La Soul, Isaac Hayes, Tank, Barbara Streisand, Def, Leopard. I got too much on my mind today. My brain is just in 500 different directions today. Trying to reschedule stuff on the station, trying to figure things out, trying to figure out how to get my daughter picked up from school, tree branches down in the yard. Should just be thinking about music, but uh, I'm not. But the 50th anniversary hip hop deal was very, very cool. On uh, very cool on the Grammys Sunday night. Hopefully you enjoyed that. I know the Beyonce crowd is still freaking out that she did not win Album of the Year. Yeah, they're that, salty. I know that's a big deal. Anybody else? Any of those other fan bases particularly upset at Harry Styles? I know her group is. Um, not necessarily at Harry. I know for the hip hop awards. A lot of people didn't think Kendrick Lamar deserved it, and it just kind of goes oh, really? with, like, since we know how big Kendrick Lamar is, and since he's like a Mount Rushmore-ish type guy, uh-huh. like, the Grammys didn't even listen to the other four albums and just gave it to him. Oh, they just said, oh, it's Kendrick. Yeah, so I, I thought Pusha there. T deserved it. One okay. thing that Pusha T didn't have going for him, a lot of that stuff was produced by Kanye. Oh, so, hadn't thought about that. Yeah, okay. even though Pusha T has separated himself from Kanye... He made that album before Kanye went completely AWOL. So the Grammy folks might have thought that was a statement. They'd be making a statement for Kanye if they picked that album. Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. yeah. I could see, I guess. Um, also, here's a good, this is a good music snob definition for you. My daughter is now such a music snob at 16 that when Harry and Taylor did not win a songwriter award and Bonnie Raitt did, she was really upset at first, and then she told me, well, now I'm going to have to go listen to that song, and it better be damn good. She went and listened, and then she came back to me and said, it was a really good song, and I get why it won. Then she explained it to me. I was like, okay, cool. Yeah. So yeah, she didn't flip out. She didn't go on social media and like threaten Bonnie Raitt's life. She That's good. She didn't go dogging out Bonnie Raitt. She went and doubled, you know, listened to the song, gave it its fair share, a fair shake, and said, "Yeah, based on what it's about and the fact that it is well done, it was going to be tough for any of those songs to beat it out." So she didn't go Chris Brown. She she did not. Wait, what did Chris Brown do? This fool, Robert Gausper, whoever won Best R and B Album. Okay. He went online, and I guess Chris Brown was up for the award too, and said, "Who the hell is this?" Oh no. So disrespectful where, of course, his team was like, uh, Chris, you got to apologize. We can't, we can't just like 
use these opportunities to go find out about other artists? We can't do that? But, like, that's, that goes completely against what the Grammy should be about. Like, the fact that Chris Brown is bitching just because this Robert Gausper guy mm-hmm. isn't a big-time name, it don't matter. Was his album better than yours? Yes, he deserves it. Right. I don't yeah. think the Grammys get it right all the time, but I'd rather them have give it to Robert, who I don't know, and if he has a better album than Chris Brown, yeah. he deserves it. It all depends on what's on the award. What does the award say? If the award says better known artist based on what, then sure. Or, you know, best album by a guy we already know. If that's the category, that's different. They are, by the way, they've come up with a lot of weird categories down at the Grammys. Really? Ooh, there's a lot of strange stuff uh, that they had. Well, there's was, a lot of strange music. There's a lot. No, the, everything is now getting compartmentalized so much that you have to have, I guess, a separate Grammy for. For everyone, what was the word I heard? It was like, instead of just best hip-hop performance, it was like best melodic hip-hop performance or best smooth hip-hop performance, something like that, where you were clear. And then the traditional was used in a few cases. That I get. But there were a couple of uh, had very strange names. Uh, Grammys happened, of course, on Sunday, and we're still unpacking a lot of that. And yeah. apparently some fan bases are, too. To the Beyonce fan base... She don't deserve to win it for making a whole album out of house music. I ain't gonna cut it. Really? I think I get Beyonce, you're trying to be different, but we've waited like five years since you dropped your last album and you didn't throw no like I think there was one hip hop R and B type classic Beyonce feel song on there, but the rest was just house music that you pop a little Aaron Rodgers Molly and uh-huh. go crazy. And she won Grammys for that. And she won it. Yeah, she, she won just didn't win album of the year. Yeah, she just didn't win album of the year. Yeah, there were some heavyweights in that album of the year category. It was uh, it was impressive. But Harry took it home with his bird chest and all. I was I was surprised. I was I was hoping for my daughter and all those Harry Styles fans they might get to see it, but didn't think he was going to take those heavyweights out. He took them all out. Her, Lizzo, Mary J, Adele, Adele, Coldplay, and Kendrick. They were all on that list. <laughs> My God, you go, Harry. Music from a sushi restaurant beat all that out? Okay. That's what the album's called? No, that's what the first track is called. (laughs) Music for a sushi restaurant. Absolutely. It's a catchy track. Be careful. It'll get stuck in your head. Yo, the guy, I'll give it to him. He's like the white prince. I will give it to him. You've said that, and that's a deep, I like that comparison, and he's got... It's, you know, he's got the showmanship. He's got a little Mick Jagger. He's got a little Freddie Mercury. Yeah, he's got, he's a little, got it. He's got it. You bring up Prince. That's not a bad uh, a bad comp either. Uh, so congrats to all those winners and the nominees at the Grammys. Go get the nominees list and just listen to as much as you can. That tells you what's kind of what's out there right now. Uh, and like Harry said, it's kind of hard to say what's best. So whatever's best for you, you listen to that. Don't listen to the rest if you don't want to. Why would you listen to music you don't want to listen to? All right. Uh, we've got a lot of stuff on the board today, basketball-wise, football wise thanks to sam monson of pro football focus for making time for us we'll have all those interviews posted at hornfm.com thanks to super bowl stew for getting things set up for us and remember all our big game coverage brought to you by texas truck and trailer all right uh let's get you why today matters it is february 7th we got a big day around here 
Why Today Matters, brought to you by Sinus and Snoring Specialists. Get sinus and snoring relief with Dr. Daniel Slaughter at Sinus and Snoring Specialists. 512-601-0303 or sinussnoringent.com. All right. Um, For today, this is one of those things that sometimes I remember them, but I'll be honest. It was my wife's social media that reminded me of this one specifically. Happy anniversary to Ball Don't Lie today. Yo! Today was the first day of Rod and Harge together on Ball Don't Lie. So when we do the show switch here, I'm going to have to tell them happy anniversary. Yeah, yeah. Great show. Great decision by our higher-ups by bringing Mike Harge over here. We know how good Rod Babers is and will continue to be. But, yeah, that's a great tandem. And Patrick Davis behind the board, great show from 3 to 7. Yep, they do great work. Shout-out to Rod and Harge and Patrick. Happy anniversary. Ball, don't lie. We still have some people in the building and people around the uh, and fans and stuff that are still trying to wrap their brain around the name of that show. It, free- it still freaks some people out. They still don't quite grasp Ball, don't lie. I try to explain it to them, and sometimes they don't get it. Yeah. They loved it. That's what they wanted. Hey, and they feel it. That's the important part. Hey, if Rasheed Wallace comes and tries to ask for some money, I'm out of it. That's on y'all. <laughs> right, exactly. Once, once they explained it to me, I'm like, oh, no, that makes total sense. Makes total sense. Uh, and congrats to those guys for their anniversary. It is also the birthday of a couple folks you might know. The Receiver. Of the Oscar slap heard around the world is 58 years old today. Chris Rock, ladies and gentlemen. Wow. The big five, eight, maybe Mount Rushmore of comedians. Is he that good? No, I don't think he's that good. If we had like a basketball team, he'd come off the bench. He's your sixth man? I don't think he's a sixth man, he's your J- he'll he, come off the bench. He's Jason Terry on that Mavericks team? Nah, he ain't not, that. Not, not quite that good? He's, he's big time, though. Okay. He's big time. Like, we're talking about uh, the, all the best comedians in my eyes of all time. He's on the squad. Yeah, no, he would definitely be on my squad. And he's he's in my discussion for that Mount Rushmore. I don't know if he quite gets there. Uh, but Chris Rock is about as good at, I mean, there's different types of comedians to me, different styles of what you're trying to do. For what he does, I don't know if I've seen many that are better. At at his best, in his prime, full energy going, full house, Chris Rock is tough to beat for me. Do you have a favorite Chris Rock movie or stand-up special? Um, the I'm always going to be partial to the initial... God, I probably saw it on MTV. That initial Chris Rock with the purple CR in the background... Early, early Chris. That was one of the one of my favorites when he when he just was breaking. I think that was MTV. And then I don't know which one what it was called. The one where he was in the shiny silver suit, about ninety nine, two thousand, right around that era. <laughs> yeah, I know what you're talking about. The shiny suit. That's yeah, a yeah, great yeah. one. That, that is a, a great Chris Rock set. Uh, and as far as the movies go, I have not seen a ton of Chris Rock movies. So. You know, like I love the little cameo in Boomerang about the fat boys breaking up. He's yeah. got great little lines like that, and he was in you know Beverly Hills Cop. And uh, he's great as Pookie in New Jack City. See, I've never seen New Jack City. Oh, another yeah. one, another We're one I got to see. see that. Yeah, another one I got to see. Chris Rock, uh, fifty-eight years old today. Also on the music front, one of the monsters in music is sixty-one today, and that is Garth Brooks, ladies and gentlemen. Garth Brooks, the big six-one. I've never seen Garth live. I heard. I always hear it's a great show, though. Yeah, he does a lot of stuff. I guess is he back in Vegas doing some of that? He has a. He's been in Vegas before. He has a Vegas spot. Oh yeah. 
He's been in Vegas. He's done different, you know, different residencies before. I think he's the one that may be doing the thing they're calling plus one, where I think you actually show up and maybe every night there could be a different person jump on stage. I think that's the, the general idea of his next run in Vegas. Okay. Yeah, Garth's uh, Garth's a beast. Sixty-one years old. Happy birthday to Garth. Uh, same exact age for the keyboard player for Bon Jovi, but a little less for David Bryan. But happy birthday to him anyway. Uh, Zay, we got all kinds of Fab Five members turning five zero today. It's Jawan Howard that turns. 50. The other day we had Jalen Rose turn 50. Today it is Jawan Howard 5-0. Yeah, I think he gets slept on when you talk about the Fab Five. Chris Webber's the headliner and you just see Jalen Rose so much, but he's done a good job at Michigan from becoming the head coach there. I'll think the slapping incident was a good moment for him but no. after Chris Rock got his ass slapped, we all forgot about Jawan Howard. So, <laughs> you know, I, I I think he was an underrated big man in the league, could really pass it and do multiple things, kind of a, a new age type of big. But, yeah, he, he's one of the classic guys out of the Fab Five for sure. Yeah, no doubt. Happy birthday to Jawan Howard. Steve Nash turns 49 today. You got the old school on Steve Nash? Santa Clara. Very good, very good. Uh, and also for you Hollywood fans, Ashton Kutcher, 45 years old, two day and if you're looking for a meal tonight it is national fettuccine alfredo day does that do anything for you zay yeah let me some good fettuccine a little chicken dude i was so simple as a kid all i ever had was basic spaghetti basic spaghetti red sauce spaghetti noodles didn't have angel hair we didn't have thick didn't have twisted didn't have any of that stuff it was real basic every time so the first time i had fettuccine alfredo i just my brain could not control what was happening I, I it was one of the greatest things in the world oh it's amazing and then when you tell me later oh you know we can put grilled chicken on that you can do what changes the game shrimp blackened fish yo what oh my god i just yeah i love i love fettuccine alfredo if it was only good for us yeah that's the only that's, that's, thing that's not yeah. the, that's not the best part about it Ooh. my wife she does not like fettuccine alfredo really we've my, never had it yeah mine's not a big fan either i don't know what that is what is that? What is that? Is that I have no idea. A woman thing? Maybe. <laughs> Chicks don't like fettuccine Alfredo. I don't know what to tell you. Don't know what to tell you. More for me. More yeah, for me. For real. That's one thing. A lot of times when I love something, my wife doesn't necessarily like it. And the best way we get along with food is that I love leftovers and she does not. So she'll bring the leftovers from the restaurant, intending to eat it. You can see it in her face. You can see it in her eyes. She wants to eat it later, but then never does. Hey, you going to finish this but no you can have it. Hey, you going to finish this chicken set? No, no, you can have it, dude. It's so good. Damn. It's the best setup ever. I wish my wife was like that. Man, oh man. She'll tear up some leftovers. Man, it's good. I love leftovers. Me too. Love that. Makes me feel like I can cook. By the best way, thing Chad, about leftovers. Somebody on the Specs text line just reminded me what my favorite Chris Rock movie is cuz I was Yes. Just I was thinking head of state and I was like it can't be head of state. CB4. CB4 is a classic, one of his first movies in the 90s. He's pretending to be like Eazy-E from NWA. Uh-huh. So just picture that. 
Okay. No, just, just, just picture. That sounds funny all by itself. Yeah, just yeah. picture that. That's the best I could do. There's a lot more to it, but yeah, they're trying to be like NWA, him and his crew. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> all right. Happy birthday to Chris Rock, and let's hope the Oscars go off without that kind of slap this year. Up next, stems and seeds before we get out of here. Uh, we got an update for you on our schedule tonight uh, based on a couple things that have happened. We got Longhorn Weekly with Coach Schaefer coming right here on the horn. We'll remind you about that and I hit you with a couple other things before we are done. This is the horn. Me and my took a little trip down to the garden took a little dip apple juice falling from my lips took a little sip on little sip took a little sip took a little sip took a little took a little sip Hey yo, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death with told texts like they mad at the ref. That's why I keep a cross on my chest, either that or a vest. Do you believe that Eve had Adam and Chet? Just and about so done on a Tuesday. I'm questioning myself now because when it started, it sounded like Kendrick, but I don't. Okay, you got half of it. Yes. Yeah, Kendrick's that, in this. Was that Kendrick at the beginning? Yes. Okay. So it's Kendrick Lamar and. This, is, don't, no. this next guy is who people say is the second best rapper of probably the last decade. J. Cole. J. Cole? J. Cole. Okay. Jermaine Cole. Out of North Carolina. He was a former D1 athlete for basketball. Mm-hmm. I think he went to like an uh, Maybe not D1. I think he went to an NAI or something like that. But yeah, has a lot of sports references in his lyrics. Gotcha. He's good. I like that little tech reference there at the beginning. Yeah, yeah he's good. good. He's good. Very good. Okay, does he go by J. Cole or go by the full name? J. Cole. J. Cole. J. Cole and Kendrick. Jay Z found J. Cole. Around an, okay. Um, so you just stick with the pattern. If yeah. Jay Z worked, then J. Cole works. Yeah. Crazy story. J. Cole apparently saw Jay Z leaving somewhere and went old school, gave him the demo. Jay Z took it. Is that right? Yeah. Gave me uh was it a cassette? I think it was a CD. Uh, but... Old man was hoping it was a cassette. <laughs> a cassette? Maybe an A-track player. Hey, I don't know. Hey, Maybe hey, vinyl. Hey, hey Jay Z, do you still have a cassette player? Here's a here's my tape. Here it is. Um, that's that's a good story. I like that. Uh, so I uh, also had De La Soul earlier, Isaac Hayes, Tank, Barbara Streisand, Def Leppard. We also had a beat, Zay, uh, to start the hour. I didn't get a chance to ask you because we were jumping into that Sam Monson interview. What did you start the hour with? Buster Rhymes, Dangerous. Ah, uh, okay. Is this serious? We ain't going to make you delirious. Mm-hmm. Uh, too much of us is dangerous. We talked about Busta because of his performance in that uh, in that montage, that mashup, whatever you call it, that big performance for the 50 years of hip-hop. There was a lot of good performances in there. I thought LL was great. and uh, it, It's cool to see the Public Enemy guys on a Grammy stage. Uh, the fact that that was acceptable in 2023 kind of blows my mind. Yeah, her Queen Latifah rocked it too. Queen Latifah was awesome. Awesome. Ah, I love her so much. And uh, she was great. She did Unity and, uh, or do I need to say U-N-I-T-Y when I say the name of that yeah, song? Yeah, I say U-N-I-T-Y. You say U-N-I-T-Y? U-N-I-T-Y, yeah. And as always, I love watching the reactions at the Grammys that, you know, across genres. I love that. I love watching, you know, a Taylor Swift interacting with something that's not her style i love people watching a country act and they're not country but they're trying to get into it they're trying to understand what's going on <laughs> right. you know or in the case of that 50 years of hip-hop you got people out there like you know chris martin at coldplay adele 
um, people that are not hip-hop and rap artists that are still able to appreciate what's going on. Oh, Adele hip-hop. She with Rich Paul now. She hip-hop. That's true. She I saw who she was toasting with. She was toasting with Jay-Z and Beyonce. She was sitting right next to Beyonce. Yeah, right? yeah. Right there. I'll talk about what a duet that would be. That was good stuff. Good stuff. Trevor Noah did a good job as well. Uh, he's hosted now, God, two or three years in a row. They've trusted Trevor Noah on that one. He's good. He nails it. Yeah, he does a lot of good stuff there. All right, uh, before we get out of here, let's get you stems and seeds. We got a little change in programming for you tonight. No stress, no seeds, no stems, no sticks. Uh, it's brought to you by AV Consultations, 255-8678, or go to avconsultations.com. Uh, because of all the storms and craziness last week, we're still trying to get the uh, 105.3, the bat signal, um, getting trying to get that up again. So tonight, Longhorn Weekly with Coach Vic Schaefer. We want to give Coach his proper due, so we're going to put it right here on the horn for you. 6.30 is the time for that. 6.30 tonight from the campus location of Pluckers. So if you want to get out there and meet the Texas women's coach and hear what he's got to say, 6.30 tonight. Also, we're moving those Texas women's games Wednesday and Saturday. Those will be on the horn, and the softball games will all be on 1260. If you're a fan of Wednesday Night Flex, I think we're going to end up moving that one to Thursday at 8. We'll finalize that for you uh, a little later on today. So all kinds of moving around going on. Uh, Zay, did you see this update on Aaron Rodgers? What do you do now? We were just talking to Sam Monson about Aaron Rodgers. It says Aaron Rodgers will consider his future during a darkness retreat. He told Pat McAfee's show that he will embark on a four-day, four-night darkness retreat soon after the Super Bowl on Sunday. Quote, I've got a pretty cool opportunity to do a little self-reflection and some isolation, and then after that I feel like I'll be a lot closer to a final, final decision. Ever, All right. You ever go on a darkness retreat? Aaron, just say that you're going to go somewhere and do drugs and be secluded. Just say that. Like, uh, it's fine. Can't you just do some heavy, heavy drugs and lay on a comfy couch? Yeah. Why do you have to go to a retreat? Yeah, like, he's making it sound all fancy. We get it. You're rich. But just say you're just going to go somewhere by yourself and do a lot of drugs and think on it. Oh, my God. That is so funny. Well, I hope he gets it figured out. I hope he gets that figured out. All right, so 6.30 tonight, Coach Schaefer and Longhorn Weekly. Zay tonight on KBVO 7.30 tip time for Westlake and Buta Johnson. And tonight at 9, it's LeBron going for the record. He needs 35 to tie Kareem and 36 to pass him. Oklahoma City at the Lakers tonight on TNT. We'll be back tomorrow for a Wednesday show to talk about all of it. Stay safe until then. See ya.